2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for February second, twenty twenty one. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. Click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can sign up for a one-time or reoccurring donation. There's no obligations whatsoever, but we certainly appreciate it. And a special thank you to all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined us always by my co-host and friend, Case Slow. In Case, we're already into February and Dragon Gate. It is kind of, this is what we call the cold season. Like this is before things really start to crank up next month. I was putting forth my calendar since I saw that the March and April dates were already announced and we could enjoy this for like another four weeks, but then I'm looking at that first week week of March case and it's going to be on real fast.
1: Oh, it's nuts. I, we're, we never, ever, ever have a title match and a Dreamgate match at that announced during the first week of February for Champion Gate. Because over the past few years, we've dealt with Casey living and dying by his Mr. February moniker. So a month out, we know what the main event of the second night of Champion Gate is going to be. And. It's kind of nice. Like I'm looking forward to February because we have the two Fukuoka shows from this past week, we're going to review. We're going to preview the Cork and Hall show that's coming up on February the fifth. And then there's two weeks where Dragon Gate is not going to make tape. They're going to run some house shows, but nothing that will air. And then at the end of the month, I think there's another three shows making tape towards the end of February. But it's a it's a rest and relaxation time. And coming out of Fukuoka, I have a lot of unanswered questions that I don't necessarily think we're going to get the answers to at Cork and Hall, but I think by the end of the month, we'll have a better idea of what's to come in the immediate future. And, you know, we've we've criticized these Fukuoka shows quite a bit. They kind of became the new Sambo Hall, where they're not bad, because this company's working standard is so high, but they're also not necessarily good at times. And I came away from these two shows thinking, like, you know what, that was... That was a fun way to spend my time. I thought there was one great match this weekend and the number of matches that I thought were, were worthwhile at the very least. You
2: know, I think that's a pretty fair reaction to these two shows. So they were both on the 31st from Fukuoka across Fukuoka. They'll be up on the network until I think the 6th. It might be the 7th. But yeah, uh, when I like looked back and I was doing my spreadsheet today when I was updating my match recommendations, I kind of came away with this going like, in total we got one knockout match we got a bunch of very good matches but there really was not a lot of dead weight here and i think it's the operating standard of the company over the last 18 months has stepped up to such a level that you know that this this was figuratively like an off weekend like this was a a light weekend that afternoon show you know when we start breaking down these cards the afternoon show is the one where I'm like, you should pick and choose. The evening show was legitimately great, but... You, you know,
1: I think, just sorry to cut you off, but I kind of think I have a differing opinion. I came away liking the afternoon show a little bit more. Now, there was one particular thing that happened on the afternoon show that I found to be a little bit deflating, but my great match from this weekend was in the afternoon show, and I, I don't know if you feel the same way or not. Oh, mine's
2: in the evening, so this is interesting. Yeah. I,
1: I, I like this. But like I think we're on the same page. Like this came away
2: from usually we kind of go just uh kicking and screaming into a Fukuoka four times a year. But you know, this was not a bad time. This was not a bad collection of shows and like most Dragon Gate stuff outside of the big plot moving shows, you can get through both of these and an hour 45 each probably if you're someone that's because they do promos and you're just like i don't understand what they're saying i'm just going to fast forward you can get through the show these two shows really quick
1: yeah absolutely and you know you look at some of the low points on this roster who are the guys that we typically worry about well Tomanaga's is one of them he's doing a thing with Kaisuke Okuda right now that is is super, super entertaining, so that kind of checks him off. He's now like a welcome surprise on the roster. You look at Yoshida, well, who's he teaming with now? He's teaming with Masaki Mochizuki. Really hard to mess that up. Now, I can't put it past Yoshida. We haven't seen the end of this angle yet. He might screw up entertaining Masaki Mochizuki at some point, but for now, it seems to be all right, and then you've got kind of your combination of your Ryo Saito and Shimizu, et cetera, et cetera, And as long as they're sequestered off doing their own comedy thing, sometimes it's going to hit, sometimes it's going to miss. I thought this weekend was, you know, a little closer to a miss, especially on that evening show. But if it's relegated to being in a comedy spot like that, I, I can only hate it so much. So not only is the working standard of this company so high, not only is the roster so incredibly consistent, but now we are seeing them pair off some of the weaker links with some of these strongholds on the roster. And so really, you look at these two shows, there's no holes on these cards. I mean, they're just they're just really solid.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's pretty much my takeaway. Like, they've done a good job. Like, they hit Ultimo. They've been hiding Ultimo in ways that I've been like, that is brilliant, what you're doing. I-
1: I'm so delighted with the way he's been booked because even though by all accounts from literally everyone we've talked to that's come into contact with him over the last 18 months or so since he's returned, they've talked about how he's such a nice guy, we love having him in the locker room, all the wrestlers look up to him, I still have this paranoia of the other side of Ultimo that I can't totally escape at times. But again, other than one of his matches that I think was at Gate of Destiny 2019 he's been great. He's been such a nice addition to the roster, and I liked him teaming with Masquerade on that afternoon show. He didn't do a ton specifically in that match, but it was cool to see him in there with Kota Minora and current Open the Dreamgate champion, Shun Skywalker. Right,
2: yeah, and I don't talk to the same people that you talk to for for the most part in things like this, but I get the overwhelming sense that Ultimo is just happy to be here. He's happy to help out he's with like the people that he trained that aren't troublemakers that much (laughs) so it's a great role for him and and of course i think we have to keep in mind this is a guy that if we were living in normal times probably wouldn't be around half as much you know between you'd
1: be off in mexico more
2: i think he'd be off in mexico he was still taking us indie bookings after kobe world
1: 2019 that is true that is true yeah it's But you hit it exactly. He looks like a guy that's happy to be there. And that's his role. And that's all that I can ask from him. That's all I want from him. And that is the role that he is fulfilling. So I I have no complaints there. I, I have enjoyed the Ultimo comedy stuff. I have enjoyed Ultimo and the chance that he gets to turn it on and maybe wrestle a younger guy or team with Masquerade like he did here. I really, when he came in in July of 2019, I never would have imagined it would have gone as smoothly as it has
2: yeah absolutely so let's get into the afternoon show itself so attendance was down 238 it is when i compared it back to the last show they had in fukuoka last year that was at 294 you know i at this point i would love to see them be doing better in fukuoka but they have to run this place twice to make it work it worth it so i mean when i look at the combined attendance i'm like okay that's fine but lo- low to start uh we opened the show with natural vibes doing the opening talk with don fuji Filming in for Takedo Uh I don't know if we talked about this last week. We kind of talked about everything but Dragon Gate at times. But Takedo Kame in uh, training, I, I'm guessing, given the injury, probably training the Torbolino, Uh Looks like he injured his shoulder. Uh, we actually saw a photo of him doing the Natural Vibes recording in a sling, so he might be around. And it's like, we this is a house show loop. You don't need to be here. But big bummer for Turtle Coon already getting injured this soon into his initial larger push
1: it sucks i don't know what to make of the injury bug i know we've had a few people ask us what our thoughts are on it and i don't i don't really have a concrete take because i think it's a lot of freak injuries and some stuff that's happened in training i mean we've seen that a a few different times over the past year of guys getting hurt not on house shows not on cork and hall shows not on televised shows but these training injuries which you know what happens? I don't think that's any indication that they're working too dangerous of a style. I think it's just a weird time where injuries caught up with them and they worked such a hectic style in the tail end of 2020 to make up all these dates that they missed. It was really closer to like a classic Torium on schedule running all of these shows and so many televised shows week after week after week. It caught up to a few guys. I think that happens and I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Obviously, it sucks that Kamei wasn't in this tournament. I really would have liked to have seen him team with UT. But we got Don Fuji out of this, who was... Uh, Mike, I don't know if you watched the contract signing. I watched this first oh, show yes. live. Oh uh, yes. Don, Don Fuji started shit during the contract signing. He tried to attack Yamato <laughs> during the opening ceremony. Oh, my God, it was terrific.
2: Yeah, so before the contract signing... Uh, he he just was a, he just was in a mood case don fuji is <laughs> mad he was not selected to join natural vibes so he agreed to do this that if they won the tournament he would join natural vibes and he seemed happy then punch tomunaga came out and was still angry about KSK akuda and he told ryo saito that he's taking his place in that match against against Keisuke akuda and then we had the uh, the draw where don fuji and yamada were just jaw jacking from the start these two guys have like the weirdest Relationship that they have that, like, they they are uniquely two people who can just piss each other off, and it's really amusing.
1: It's so hostile and it rocks. I mean, it's (laughs) one of those things I feel like we see so often in King of Gate Yamato and Fuji squared against each other, and it's always like a six minute match where they brawl all over Cork and Hall, and it's always so good. These guys have excellent chemistry with one another, and I you know, Fuji's not going to be put into a long-term program with Yamato at some point, but every time they get in the ring with each other, Fuji really turns it on, and it's always, always entertaining.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we, we got a bunch of that across this uh, these two shows. So they did the draw, and then we went into our non-tournament matches. The first match was the Natural Vibes team of KZ, Sasumi Yokosuka, and Kiki Horiguchi against a uh, really interesting, in my mind, R.E.D. team, of the Open the Twin Gate champions, B.B. Hulk and Kai, along with hip-hop Kakuda, Geeky Horiguchi got the one the backslide from heaven in 11 minutes and 2 seconds. And, you know, this is... that These guys were involved, so they kind of just found interesting matchups for them across the two shows, and I enjoyed this for what it was. I, it, you know, as an opener. It wasn't a hot opener. It was just solid.
1: It is a little strange, and I don't think it's an indictment of the booking. I think it's just this this idea that ut and Kame were probably going to be featured really heavily in this tag team tournament and it weirdly left the other natural vibes guys the kind of core of that unit the main three feeling out of place on these shows and right we're now living under the assumption that this unit is going to go on and it's going to be a legitimate unit which is very strange and i haven't totally wrapped my head around it yet i don't think it's an an indictment on them that they felt out of place on this show. I think it just happened to be this weekend. There wasn't a lot for them. But the good news is that they wrestled two matches that I thought were a ton of fun, and specifically the finish to this match, which was Hip Hop Kakuta going for the discus lariat and being countered into the backslide from heaven. I will never get sick of that finish. I hope I see it a hundred more times before Horiguchi retires. I loved it. It looked so good. And for as strange as the Natural Vibes booking is, it's Horiguchi, Kaze, and Susumu working trios matches. It's not going to be bad, no matter how hard they could try.
2: Yeah, and you, you had some fun chemistry between Kakuda and Kaze. Like Kakuda with the Natural Vibes guys was really interesting. Just like BB Hulk and Kai against them. Like, all right, that's fine. Like I've seen, a, I've seen a bunch of it, but I was more intrigued by K- by Kakuda kind of getting a chance to more face-off on these guys under natural vibes terms versus uh, Dragon Gate Generation or Toriumon Generation. So, like, that was my interest there. Like, it wasn't a bad match. I went two and three quarters on it. It just was just, like, an opener with guys who were just kind of left astray with the booking this week.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm at three stars there. I really like the... Triple H esque knees that hip hop Kakuta started to throw that running knee lift that is it's straight out of like 2004 Triple H matches, but it looks really good when Kakuta does it. So I, I was a fan of this. It was a nice little opener.
2: Yeah, and then we segued into the latest chapter of the Punch Tominaga versus KSK. Akuta, epic. This time, before the match started, Punch Tomonaga said, Oh, you just caught me on flashes. Like you can't beat me two out of three times. <laughs> okuda's just like fine, okay, so this match did it, it was a two out of three falls match, however, in straight falls KSK Okuda won the first one with a cross arm breaker and the second one with a with his running knee good night kick so
1: Classic Gabe Sapolsky booking. This is just like the Briscoes going over <laughs> and then two falls to zero. You know, on the Dragonite USA rewind and rewatch series we've been doing, when we were going over the shows in 2012, we would spend a lot of time talking about what was going on in Japan just because it's relevant to Dragonite USA, obviously. And in 2012, Mike was the one that pointed out, like, wow. This is the year that Mandai Ryu was really a thing. This was his apex mountain. He's just all over the booking. He's wrestling Shima. He's doing stuff with Tozawa. He's everywhere. And I think six or seven years from now, people are going to look back at these cards and the Akuta Tamanaga stuff is going to be such a delightful like wait what what were they doing why is there a best two out of three falls match that went 90 seconds on the second match on this card where Akuda won both falls that is so weird but i i am really enjoying this angle
2: yeah no this is a lot of fun it's one of those things that you know we're now probably going to see the build up for whomever Akuda is going to face at champion gate i'd be stunned if we don't have some indication of a direction coming out of Corkin. But it's just like a good way to kind of keep him involved, especially as someone that I feel like he might be one of the last pieces in the unit shift.
1: So so le- let me ask you this as it relates to his next Brave Gate challenge. Are you afraid that they are going to go in the Tamanaga direction for the Champion Gate match and kind of a final opportunity? Because I, I, I get the impression, especially after watching this show and looking at the Corkin lineup, that we are going to see... Not only the new units being formed, but perhaps the heel unit being shuffled. And given some of what Tamanaga is doing, both here and the anger that he's shown, kind of at natural vibes and within Team Boku, I I can't shake a punch heel turn coming, which I think would really suck. I think he's in the perfect role right now. But would that shock you at all if they're not quite done with this program yet?
2: I wasn't considering that option. I, I I mean, I can't discount it. I yeah. think that the big issue with whoever the heel unit's going to be is, like, you have something going on with Hio. Hyo is undefeated in 2021. You don't want—they clearly don't like pinning SB Kento. SB Kento stays clean as a sheet here. And Kakuda like, it's okay that he lost to a flash pin by Kinky Horikuchi, but you probably don't want him to be the guy taking falls, so—
1: well, they they've clearly established SBK as one of the guys, and Kakuta. I you know I I almost want to compare him to say like a like Genki Horaguchi's role in his own unit where he's going to pick up some falls, but he's going to lose some falls. He's kind of like a mm-hmm. 500 player right now. Right. I, they are they are certainly not eager to pin Kakuta. I don't think, but they're also not afraid to do it if they need to.
2: Yeah. So. It, it's something that that would clear up Kakuda's role a whole lot, unless he's going to be, like, Inki Horikuchi or really, like, Tomahawk TT during the Blood Warriors days. Mm. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think of. Like, I was more expecting, like, this, that probably this would just be... I, I don't know if you really want to put Punch Thumbag in the main event of uh, a Sokka 2 show.
1: Well, look, I don't. I want to make that clear. I don't want to do that. I, I think it would probably go on before the triangle gate match on night one but Mm -hmm. you know limited capacity which i I don't think matters because i think dragon gate is just going ahead with whatever their plans were but the triangle gate match is probably going to be the draw there i don't think it's going to happen but i also want to plant that idea in your mind because i can't totally rule it out either
2: no i think you're justified in doing that and i feel like we'll get some indication on friday one way or another However, this next match, uh, we talked a little bit about this match before. This is a six-man tag team match. You have Ultimo Dragon, who is technically unaffiliated, kind of doing Team Boku, kind of just being Ultimo, teaming up with the Open the Dream Gate champion Shun Skywalker and Kota Minura against the RED team of Kaido Ishida, Kazuma Sakamoto, and SB Kento. Kota Minenura drops a, low, a rare fall to the ankle hold in 12 minutes and 55 seconds, and What I thought was the best match of the afternoon, I thought that this was great. I feel like even though Ultimo wasn't super in this match, I loved when he was in it. And I like the face-offs and what we're getting from Shun Skywalker and Kaido Ishida. I mean, calling back to the rookie ranking tournament.
1: Yeah, not only did I like what we got from Ishida and Skywalker here, which was really, really good. and, And we'll have a month now to talk about and write about the upcoming Dreamgate match that they're going to have, because I think it is going to be such a superb match. Not only was their chemistry strong here, but the Kazuma Sakamoto, Kota Minora chemistry. Yes. These dudes hit each other so hard in this match. This was so much fun.
2: Yeah, like, the two of them have great chemistry. Like, Kazuma Sakamoto, like, I know it's something that some people will roll their eyes when they see Kazuma Sakamoto and Kai, but... As soon as Kazuma Sakamoto got his sea legs, he's been great whenever he's facing these younger wrestlers. I remember, like, during, like, his first King of Gate tournament in 2019, he had, like, an uninspected banger with KZ, I think, in Sambo Hall. But he was great here. I liked the chemistry there. I thought that Kota Minora has really kind of kept it up his uh, momentum that he was having post-lockdown. And just was like a great final stretch with, with Minenora and Ishida. Like those two guys also have great chemistry and came together to be a match that just fell just short of my notebook. I went three and three quarters on it.
1: Interesting. So this was not my match the night. I'm at three and a half on this. Certainly flirted with three and three quarters at one point. And just to reemphasize your point on Sakamoto, I said when he debuted. And and his debut was kind of turned into a meme because I think people thought it was going to be Pac and you know, the goodwill that we have in the 2021 Dragon Gate booking was certainly not there in the fall of 2018. I think we we're all a little impatient and a little scared of what was to come. And all of a sudden you introduce Kosma Sakamoto to the mix. People laughed at it. People got mad at it. Rightfully so. But I said from his debut match on, this guy can make it work. And he had the footwork and he has the basing ability to do so. And ever since then... I- I mean, I consider him to be a, a part of the roster, whereas, you know, Kai at his best, I think, blends in, and at his worst, certainly sticks out as not being up to the working standard as the rest of the roster. For me, Sakamoto's a guy. I mean, I love having him around. I love his role. I think he's excellent at what he does, and this match was a good showcase of his talents.
2: Yeah, and if you think about it, and you look farther back, Sakamoto is trained by Takamichi Noku. That's another branch of the Lucha Ressa, uh, uh family tree in a way it's different from the dragon system but you know there's still a lot going on there so it makes a lot of sense why he works out so well here
1: it's the cousin of the dragon system
2: that's it he he, he's just a cousin cousin kazma (laughs) our (laughs) i i almost really i reached into draw for that i apologize case no Uh, it's
1: okay you avoided it no need to apologize (laughs) The then we got into our four First
2: round matchups in the uh, Open the Twin Gate number one contender tournament. The first one was in the A block. I don't get why they do A block and B block. Just do match one, match two, match three, match four. But it's, you know, that's a cultural thing. But it was Yamato and Dragon Kid. So continuing that pseudo unit or proto unit versus UT and Don Fuji. There was interference in the finish. R.E.D. ran in on Yamakid and they dragged UT on top of... Dragon Kid's prone body in 7 minutes and 27 seconds. So, you know, building up for Cork and building up for whatever Yamato Kid's going to turn into.
1: Such a bummer of a finish. Because I was really feeling this before the R.E.D. stuff. And from a storyline perspective, I don't have an issue with what R.E.D. did with prolonging and continuing, rather, this SPK-Dragon Kid feud. I thought it was a unique finish, but... From a notebook match quality star rating perspective, this was really hitting its peak for me with the, as we talked about earlier, the Yamato and Don Fuji stuff in this match. There's two spots that really stood out to me. One, Fuji choke slams Yamato at one point, and then Yamato does, I can't even call it a counter. He takes the choke slam and then locks Fuji in an armbar kind of as it's happening. It was such a tremendous spot that, you know, Yamato's tricked out grappling Israel real hit or miss. I've never seen him do this spot before when I thought it was a total hit, and then they have a strike sequence down the closing stretch that was, once again, so heated, so physical, so stiff. That's kind of the one, I think, real benefit of this Fukuoka venue, is when guys hit each other, it makes a really nice sound. It's just a venue that plays well to striking specifically, which is uh, perhaps looking at this through too much of an artistic lens, but I felt that way on other shows where, you know, for whatever reason, strikes and chops and whatnot just sound really good in this building. And I thought Fuji and Yamato were tearing it up, up until the finish, which I get why it happened, but it bummed me out.
2: Yeah, like this match was so solid that even though you had the interference finish, I still was three and a quarter stars for precisely the reasons you laid out. Yamato and Don Fuji had themselves a belter and I liked the idea of them at least pushing the idea at least initially, that UT and Don Fuji could be the miracle team in this tournament.
1: I was a little surprised by the booking in Night 2. I kind of thought they were going to be in the finals, and I was really excited at the prospect of that because I liked the audible story that they were telling with Fuji possibly getting into this unit had they won the tournament.
2: Right, yeah, I thought that that was all pretty interesting. I thought that would have been an interesting departure and a nice audible Next up was Team Boku, uh, Ryo Saito, and Bukudamo Dragon facing off against Mochi Yoshida. I don't know what their name is. I know like that they, they just put on sale a t-shirt that says, and Yoshida's handwriting, Master, please teach me pro wrestling. But uh, I don't know exactly what their gimmick is other than that. But it was Yoshida getting the win on Saito with a cyber bomb in 9 minutes and 27 seconds.
1: Not a Masaki Moshizuki match that will live in infamy. This was very much just a match and I can't I can't knock the storytelling of Yoshida and Mochizuki because the crowd seems really into it. Yeah and in, I you know, I do the, the Twitter translations where they tweet back and forth with one with one another and it pops me. So I don't I don't hate what they're doing, but you know Takashi Yoshida wrestling a 10-minute match in Fukuoka specifically against a gimmicky Big R Shimizu and Ryo Saito not exactly lighting my world on fire this was a a gentleman's three if there ever was one.
2: Oh, you were higher it than not higher on it than I was I was two and a half stars mm. I was just like I know what this is I get what they're doing not for me move on <laughs> like <laughs> it's just w- w- what it is like the uh the the Bokudamo start with Mochizuki cracked me up because he was doing the uh, dragon feints as they were circling around and Mochizuki was barely able to do it with a straight face. <laughs> like, I dug that part, but then the match happened. I was like, okay, that was what I expected. Yeah, I think that's fair. The semi-main event was a the first match of the B block. So on that on the evening show, the winners of uh, UT and Fuji and Mochizuki and Yoshida, they're paired off as they're the A block teams. But this was the first B block team. This was the unaligned teams of Shuji Kondo and returning Benkei versus Kagatora and Yosuke San Maria. Benkei got the win in three minutes and 59 seconds with the spear on Yosuke San Maria.
1: I was shocked to see this match only went four minutes because I, I, it felt like a compact sprint, but it also felt longer than four minutes. So. Uh, It's not an insult to the match. I kind of thought it was a full match, which is why I was surprised to see such a short amount of time. For anybody that was worried about Ben K, don't be... He's fine. He's working the same standard that he was in December before he got knocked out cold at Final Gate. Was still doing all of the crazy spots, some of which we saw in the evening show. My only concern with him is his hair. The dark dye that he is using doesn't exactly light my world on fire, Mike. I mean...
2: I wonder what he was doing in his time off, because the hair, yeah, like he basically like I have dyed my hair I have naturally dark colored hair. I have done the jet black thing once and just kinda looks like that. But also, for for a guy who prides himself on the tanning bed, this was probably the most pale I've ever seen Ben K since he was Fuda Nakamura. Like surprisingly tan
1: when you have a concussion or is that bad for you? Spray tan, brother. Listeners, if we get a drop of Mike going spray tan, brother, I don't know how often that's going to come up, but I would like that just on my bad days to play to myself. <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, uh, Ben's Ben.
2: I mean, we knew the more when we the morning America time, the night in Japan, that K was fine, and they were just gonna let him take it easy, and didn't really have anything for him. To really do in January, when you look at it, and he wasn't figured into the the first stages of the unit shift, so it made sense. And him and Kondo are a sweet tag team. I like I I like this Con Ben team. Like they're they're the two meat boys who just are being meat boys. What's not to love about
1: it? Oh, I I really hope they end up in the same unit. I think there's a lot that they, it's interesting. You know, Ben Kay. Obviously has the Akuda tag team that they can always go to, and I think when they really get behind that team, not only is the match quality going to be strong, but I think that's a team that the crowd can get really into. But he's also got the Shuichi Kondo tag team now that I I have, hope I've not seen the last of. I really like the chemistry they have together as a team, and it's something so different from what we normally see in Dragon Gate. I don't, I, I guess Ben Kay. And Big Shimizu when they were doing the Big Ben stuff, they were kind of two monsters. But Mike, can you think of another dueling big guy tag team that Drangate has used? I don't remember Kishiwada ever teaming with another big guy. I mean,
2: it's all relative thinking, but uh, Pumpkin Kong with uh, Shingo and Cyber Kong, that mm. kind they kind of played up with that. But that was more of, okay, you have this, this uh, power lifter, and then you have... Uh, Takashi Yoshida, but no, it, it's a very rare kind of thing, and it fits a lot. Like these two guys came together. You have a power junior who's really not a junior, and then you have someone who's only technically a—he's never been a junior. He's always been over hundred kilos, and they just kind of wreck shop. It's great.
1: Yeah, this was this was enjoyable I went three and a quarter on this because of the length, but it's it's a match worth worth checking out. I think if you substitute the Mochizuki and Yoshida match for the Masquerade Six Man. There's there's about four matches here that I, I think are really worth your time, especially the main event.
2: Yeah, so Con Ben will face in the evening the winners of this next match. This was an R.E.D. versus Masquerade tag. Eita and Diamante uh, were teaming up against Jason Lee and La Estrella. It was Ada with a pen w- after the Imperial Uno on Jason Lee. Oh, before we get into it, uh, Ben cut a promo afterwards. I uh, didn't see any translations, but... I'm willing to guess whether these kind of things. Like I am back. I'm Ben K. Yeah. Uh, I'm not of many words, but listen to the sound of my soul. Like that's that. Those are his promos. Cause he is Ben <laughs> K. His nickname is soul shouter.
1: Yeah. That's a safe bet. That really, that was like me hearing a tweet. I feel like I've seen that translation before. That is spot on.
2: All the useful knowledge in my brain case. Out of the, and, out and of the ben mind. K
1: translated promos are at the top of the most useful <laughs> things you have in life. Listen, I, I, as you've personally
2: experienced this last weekend, I can just go on with stuff for a, an intermediary period of time.
1: So. That's very true, and I, I like it. That's why we do this podcast, Mike.
2: Yeah, that's why I was like, "Oh, we're gonna go thirty, forty-five minutes, and then we went an hour instead last week." But Ada versus Ada and Diamante versus Jason Lee and La Estrella. It was Ada over Lee in the fall, of so the, the uh, bracket for the evening show was Con Ben versus Ada and Diamante, and then. And then Fuji and Yuti versus Mochizuki and Yoshida. But I have a feeling, in Case, this might be your match of the day.
1: This was my match of the day by, I'm not going to say a wide margin, but I certainly don't think anything on night two really touched this. I was blown away by this match, and I guess before I ran and rave about it, I want to know where you are with it.
2: I really like this. I had the same rating as I gave that, Trios match three and three quarters. It's either that or this as the match of the show. I thought that Jason Lee. I I'm not a an FSM 50 voter, but case Jason Lee in 2021. That's a guy to keep an eye. He should make the short list. You know the watch list he had for the fsn 50 just because of how solid he was here. Then. La Australia basically using Diamante into as a human jungle gym and then doing an insane to Harris from the top rope to the floor, catching him smooth as silk. It just was like a really great blast and a great finishing stretch of Ada basically having to kill Jason Lee, like taking the maximum driver and still not going down but giving him multiple Imperial Unos before winning. I I, I really enjoyed it. I'm throwing their three quarters.
1: All right, so I, we're, we're closer than I thought, which I, I was nervous that maybe... We were going to be on two separate planes here. I'm at four and a quarter on this match. I That's, really, fair. That's fair. I really think this is worth going out of your way for. And a bunch of different things jumped out at me here. We talked ever since his debut about the size of Estrella and just, you know, even for this small promotion, how small he is. And you get in the ring with a guy like Diamante, who is, I think, bigger than people give him credit for. And obviously, he's going to look small, the thing that jumped out at me here was Ata, who's not a super big guy. I never have really felt like Ata is much bigger than anyone on the roster or much smaller than anyone on the roster. Ata dwarfed Estrella. I mean, Ata really had some size on this guy. Is does that concern you at all? Maybe not from a health and safety standpoint, because I don't really think either of us are worried about that too much, but just from a booking and a future standpoint. I mean this guy's really, really small.
2: Yeah, I mean I it, it's one of those things that there's obviously a ceiling at a certain level. Like I remember like we were like, is SP Kento tall enough? And then we saw him in the ring when he actually was a heel and he was kind of standing up straight and you're like, yeah, no, he's he's tall enough. But I mean Yeah, he
1: projects bigger than he is. I mean it's all it's all on his charisma.
2: And, and and you know, you can't have that with someone like La at this early. But if his slot is this, that's a good slot. I mean, not everyone's going to be a future Open the Dreamgate champion. Not everyone's going to headline Kobe World. But having a guy who has these skills and is this uh, incredible—I mean, just project him out. You could have a great tag team with him and Dragon Kid as like a doing like a senior junior relationship there. He'll be a great person on Triangle Gate teams. And of course, there's the Brave Gate there. I think he's I think he'll be fine. I just don't think that he's someone that you, you look at him and you're like, okay, he's not a huge he's not the guy you're gonna build a company around, but you, you know, you're gonna need someone to get on base, Case. And Lostre will get on base.
1: Oh my god. I mean, his on base percentage is unreal this year because I have enjoyed every single match he's been a part of because he's been the focal point of those matches. And I think, you know, if SP Kento is a guy that works bigger than he is, if he projects to be taller than he actually is, astrea probably does the opposite where I think he works a style, uh, certainly not comparing him in terms of skill, but in terms of style, he really does remind me of like a Ray junior in 96. I mean, he, he yeah. cruiserweight era, nitro rey Mysterio, is the vibe that I'm getting from Estrella, partially because he's just smaller than everybody else by comparison. And he's working a style that I think is benefiting his size or lack thereof. So I noticed that just again, I don't really see Ata tower over guys ever, but Ata really had a noticeable height difference over this guy. But more importantly, Diamante, who... Again, we were so critical of for so long, but he really turned it around last year. I voted him most improved in the Observer Awards. His chemistry with Astrea is something that I am all about. I need to see more of these guys in the ring together immediately because Diamante was brought in to be a base, and La Astrea is a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience and needs a good base, and sure enough, they work great together in this match.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just so people could kind of visualize this if you're not someone who's gonna go run and watch this match uh diamante is listed as a shoot six foot like he is and he probably is probably pretty close to six foot
1: which would be showing it would be like showing up on the main roster now and being 610 or 611 right. like they just it's massive compared to the regular Dragon gate standards
2: yeah i mean that's the thing it's comparatively it's massive Ata just 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 for just for comparative sake listed at 170 centimeters that's about 5'6 that's a little bit closer to 5'7 basically and he had a good solid three to four inches on La Australia. so I mean he's a small guy but it's I mean Ray Jr. is maybe 5'2 so who knows
1: yeah I feel like it's really an apt comparison I know in in rightfully so people clutch their purrs a little bit when somebody's compared to Ray Jr. It should stay that way. I'm not criticizing them, but in terms of working style and in terms of stature, Estrella certainly reminds me of a young Ray Jr. And Ata, I I really liked him in this match. You know, mm-hmm. this was just, a, this was four, these were four guys that clicked on this night, and I like the A10 a- a- Diamante team. I think Estrella, with whoever he's teaming with in that unit, it's going to work, at least for the time being. But Ata had not only one, but two Imperial Unos on Jason Lee in this match one that Lee kicked out of, and then another one for the win. And both of them were top-notch super kicks. I mean, this these kicks looked like they knocked Jason Lee's teeth out both times that he hit them. It was phenomenal. This was a four-and-a-quarter star match, and I would really encourage our listeners, before this match is taken off of the Drangay Network, which I believe, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, it will be taken off that night. So watch this match as soon as you can. It is well worth your time.
2: Absolutely. And it was a great way to finish off the afternoon show. They came back after a few hours for the evening show. Attendance for this one was two ninety one. So that's up. It is down comparatively with the last evening show that they had at Foucault at three forty two. So I mean, more people were coming out for that show and I mean combined they still got above they got close to five thirty, which is I mean, it's still a drop, but you know, it's with this, this is what they're gonna be doing. I mean, haven't seen like i know that on the flagship they're like oh these crowds sound so dreadful and i'm like i don't think so i did not
1: pick up on that on the cork and hall show i know joe lanza was very picky of i guess the atmosphere that was in cork and i i don't know i i didn't feel that way and i obviously you know we have to get along with joe we like joe we're not weirdos uh but i i do feel like at times we are watching two different dragon gates right now
2: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, I mean, I like the environment for Dragon Gate more than the relentless, all we can do is clap, so we clap stuff that I get when I watch Stardom, for example. Mm. Like, if you want to talk about something that that feels kind of eerie, it's no matter what, everyone is clapping on beat pretty much for two hours straight.
1: You know, Dragon System alumni Shingo Takagi, he got the crowd rocking over this past weekend with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Mike, I know you've checked out on New Japan. I have said my piece on the promotion although I, w- I will say i love this i love this new beginning show over the weekend and i only bring it up because it's shingo did did you watch this match yet i have it
2: picked out i just need to like sit down i knew i had these dragon gate shows to watch and then i as we do our recording we do dragon gate usa and dragon gate stuff on the same night that was something that was giving to me that i was going to watch sometime later this week but I know that it's, it's an absolute belter. I mean, you have Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, two of the best ever to do it. So, like, of course, Shingo Takagi will get people to, like, forget about keeping their mouth shut and screaming. He 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 is the dragon,
1: apparently.
2: Look, I think that nick, Shingo headlines terrible, a few more shows. By the way. Uh,
1: it's, it's awful. But, you know, Shingo headlines a few more shows. Dynasty might be back, baby. I'm telling you. He might be the fix.
2: <laughs> no. I mean... I probably would watch more, so you're not wrong. Uh, Look, they were were literally
1: the best in-ring promotion of all time for eight years running. Last year, it ended that. They're still going to be good. They're still going to do stuff I like, but we're clearly in an era that is different now. There was a definitive Mm -hmm. change and a dip in quality last year. Why some people don't understand that, I don't know.
2: I mean, I would suggest people... Eh, no, I'm not going to be mean. <laughs> I was about to be really mean, case, so and you knew probably exactly what I was about to say, but I'm not going to. Let's talk about this, at, let's talk about this evening show, okay? So we started off with Don Fuji and UT versus Mikashi, uh, Misaki, Mochizuki, and Takashi Oshida. That was smooth. Yeah,
1: no, well, well done, Mike. Not, not, no, nobody's wondering what you had to say at all.
2: <laughs> all I'm going to say is sometimes, you know, you have to step back and be able to look at things with a level of critical analysis. And sometimes help. And, and sometimes I'm not blaming people for having strong emotions. I mean, on a podcast that we both did on The Torch this weekend, which is what Case was kind of alluding to. So I'm moving back around to the way that you're, that you're trying to plug something, Case. So I did have a thought in mind. I did say that with Akira Tozawa, he is emotionally my favorite wrestler of all time. So it's very hard for me to rationally think about him. You have to acknowledge these biases, and I think that with certain groups of fans, it's very difficult for people to think about things with a critical eye, and I think that's a polite way of me saying that.
1: Let me take your words and put them into action. My favorite wrestler of all time is Masaki Mochizuki, and I was disappointed with this opening match that was he and Yoshida against Don Fuji and Ut. I don't think the match was bad, but when you have Mochizuki, Fuji, and Ut in the same ring, I wanted it to be better than what I thought was a borderline gentleman's three.
2: You know, I was just on the other edge of it. I was three and a quarter. Uh, the fall, as I realized my same ring did not have me mention that, takashi yoshida advancing with a cyber bomb on ut in 10 minutes and 59 seconds um yeah I, I i totally get that with like you have three guys here who i think are various levels of genius about understanding pro wrestling and you have someone who's frankly not the best and on his best days he's someone that you you know, he's not going to drive a match and the things I enjoyed about this was like UT and Mochizuki. Like, I felt like that that was some really fun stuff. I thought Don Fuji selling his knee that KZ was definitely afraid of him joining and blowing out his knee. I thought that that was entertaining. I came out at three and a quarter, but I mean, it just was not, it was not what you, you hope when you're watching a Mochizuki, Don Fuji and UT tag team match.
1: I think the tournament would have been more satisfying had they done Mochizuki and Yoshida versus Ben K and Kondo in the first round and done Fuji and Ut versus Diamante and Ada, and then done the Mochizuki Yoshida versus fuji Ut finals, because then yeah. you, would have had, you would have had double stakes there, because obviously it's a number one contendership tournament, but if Fuji and Ut win, there's also the natural vibes thing going on.
2: Right, yeah, and, and then you have the Miracle Run idea versus, okay, Misaki Mochizuki, he's a very successful tag team wrestler, Takashi Yoshida he's successful tag team wrestler in his own right like you had some mileage you could play off that and just like the stakes of the two of them coming to each other at the end of the bracket you know
1: yeah and Ben K and Kondo I to try I guess unless you have anything else to say we could talk about that nah, match
2: yeah let's get into it
1: yeah so so Ben K and Shushi Kondo they defeated Diamante and Ata to move on to the finals of this number one contendership twin gate tournament and you know I think on paper that's probably the right move. It gets Ben Kay back in focus after the Dreamgate challenge. I understand all of that, but they're a team without a unit, and they just they had nothing really concrete to gain. I mm-hmm. think from winning this tournament. I know it's like, well, they're they're wrestling for a Twin Gate match, and I understand that, but without a unit, I don't, I don't really see that being. Uh, I I don't see them being releva- relevant relevant in terms of fighting for the Twin Gates, if that makes sense. I think I did a clumsy job explaining that. I just think the finals would have been a little bit more heated had you had Mochizuki and Yoshida, where there's clearly a program between those two happening, and I'm sure it will evolve as time goes on, and then Fuji and Ut, where you had built-in stakes for them coming into that match. Instead, Ben Kane and Kondo, who are a very fun team, as I iterated when we were talking about, the afternoon show, they get the win. And this was, was slightly better. I, I will say the one thing that I picked up from this match, Diamante hit a great springboard drop kick. I believe yes. that was on the Ben K, but my God, he throws that thing like a madman.
2: Yeah, I thought that Diamante is someone that as he's come along, I get excited when I get like these power versus power matches and him and Ben, I felt like, worked really well together. I felt like that, for the most part, Ada was kind of a passenger here, which is kind of wild to, to, to regard that as. But, yeah, you know, things are a mess, and he's the biggest question in this unit shift coming out of this. But I thought this was a really effective, like, Ben selling through the first bit of it and just was like a really fun, like, tournament tag match. Like, I went three and a half stars on this. Like, the, like this show, with the exception of one match we'll get to later, I had everything better than uh, three and a quarter stars. Like I thought that this was a, I really liked this evening show, which is something considering my opinion on the shows you usually have in this venue, I was proved a fool with this. This was a overall, a great day of wrestling.
1: Yeah, again, two, two enjoyable shows. I, I'm going to be a little bit lower on this evening show, I think all the way through, but certainly not a bad match between these four guys.
2: Yes. So we had our finals there. It would be Mochizuki and Yoshida versus Benkei and Suji Kondo. Then we got into some non-tournament stuff. First off, we got a Yamato Okuda tag. Remember how much we enjoyed those, guys? Yes,
1: yes, indeed.
2: And we had that against the Outsiders team of Kai and Kazuma Sakamoto. Yamato got a flash Frankensteiner of the Almighty on Kai in 7 minutes and 44 seconds because what is Yamato going to do unless his life is going to be wrapped around BB Hulk and Kai? What, what, What does this guy have left to do in his life? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i don't I, mike i don't have a good answer for that there's no there's no bit i can even come up with i just that is a i'm staring at the barrel of a gun here i don't know what the reality is after this
2: yeah so i thought this was a fun match i went three and a quarter on this i thought this was all pretty effective stuff all four guys were i mean i love this yamato and okuda team i hope yamato ends up with this uh or hope that Akuda ends up in this yamato dk unit if he's not doing stuff with ben i think that There's some chemistry there. And then Kai and Kazuma Sakamoto had a great performance, and Yamato uh, sold a lot, basically.
1: Yeah, so I I praised Kazuma Sakamoto earlier, and I'm certainly not going to revoke that with this next statement. But this was probably a little too sleazy for my liking, a little bit too brawly for what I was looking for. And the third match on the second show of a doubleheader in Fukuoka, I think it just had some factors working against it that prevented me from really getting invested into this match. Not bad by any means. Again, you know, these first three matches, I'm all uh, floating around three stars with.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not too much higher. I'm three and a quarter. I just three and a quarter matches is enough for me to say this is something that you if you have time, it's worth watching. So that's my mindset, at, at least about this card for the most part. Everything's kind of worth watching. As we got into the next match, this was my match of the day. This was an eight-man tag. It was the Masquerade team of Shun Skywalker, Koda Minora, Jason Lee, and Laustreya La versus the RED team of BB Hulk, Kaido Ishida, SB Kento, and Hip Hop Kakuda. Ishida got the win with an ankle hold on Jason Lee in 13 minutes and 24 seconds.
1: I'm so pumped we're getting another one of these Masquerade eight-man tags at Cork and Hall because these matches are really, really delivering for me now. And we're at a point where we're two full months into Masquerade, if you want to factor in the Hokkaido triple shot where they were teaming together but didn't have a a name or, or unit colorways at that point. So it's not exactly the novelty act at this point. It's not something new. I just think this is a legitimately great pairing of guys. And we talked about it when they formed, how the Western audience was going to be really into this unit. And I think that's held true. Mike, have you seen any indications that we are in a millennials like situation where the West is far more into this unit than the natives are?
2: I mean, this is the problem that we talked about when it was formed. We saw this coming. They're not heavy, they're not great might workers. And that's important. I think that. Weirdly enough, I think they're going to kind of fill out the role that uh, Natural Vibes does at the same time, you know? Like Natural Vibes in a lot of ways is kind of uh, the Jimmys plus Dancing plus KZ. I feel like that this is going to kind of feel like how Tri-Vanguard felt or how I'm trying to think of another team around Jimmy's time period, but it, it's an important unit to have, but it's not going to be the Superface unit is what I'm saying.
1: No, and I, I think that's why I'm so curious to see, in particular, where Yamato and Ben-K end up where, when these units settle down, because it does feel like—I mean, you know, is a frontline star, Dreamgate or not. I do think at this point he's pushed like a a Tier 1 guy, and he's obviously the face of this Natural Vibes unit, which means more now than it did in 2018 when he was fronting it. Masquerade has the Open the Dreamgate champion, and by all accounts, it's not like Skywalker's bombing. I do think the crowd is into this unit on a pretty large level. I mean, I have not heard anything of the contrary, and from my very amateur journalistic standards of translating some tweets of of native fans, I'm not seeing a lot of stuff, or really any stuff, that's negative towards Masquerade, at least from what's come across my eyeballs, which is, you know, a selected sample, but it's still something. I... I'm going to give it time. Again, we haven't really seen them talk, which I think is concerning. I think even if they would have bombed with a few promos and we would have heard from people that, hey, you know, the the crowd wasn't really into this, it would have at least given us an idea as to where they're standing and it could have been a real sink or swim mentality. It does worry me a little bit that they're just keeping them away from the microphone. I don't think that's good. I think that shows a lack of trust and perhaps... You know, we might see a title change coming up soon because of it. I'm not ready to speculate there just yet, but it's certainly something that's been on my mind. But from an in-ring standpoint, this team can do no wrong, and I, I look forward to seeing them whenever they are on the card together, especially... And these eight-man tag matches, which is crazy to think they've been as good as they are, and they are missing Dragon Dia. And you just think about the level that they could go up to if he was there. But I am right at three and three quarters on this match. In particular, I'll praise him again, the Estrella Hip Hop Kakuta chemistry, I thought was off the charts in this match. Those guys work really well together, which is so impressive given their lack of experience. So there was a lot to like in this match.
2: Oh, absolutely. And... I, I've talked a bit about that before. The thing that that kind of took away is SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuta would love to see a twin run out of these two guys. Absolutely. They have some great chemistry together, they have some good t- tag team offense. And then, you know, SB Kento spent like the first few minutes just trolling the new mask that La Australia had on and just like, just like, just being an absolute jackass, like tying it to the ropes, just really, you know what I mean? He's just been a jerk, but it, it all just flowed together. Like you had like the stakes there. And I think that's the thing that I really enjoy about these matches. So this one, this one was a shorter one. This was like 13 minutes and 24 seconds, but each of these matches, let like they get the idea of building and kicking into gear and then having like this very satisfying finish that they did it in December when they were having Binke versus Shun Skywalker up ahead. Now we have uh, Kaido Ishida and Shun Skywalker up ahead And they find a way to make sure that we get the moments of those guys, but then we get the finish we're supposed to. I was a four and a quarter star. I absolutely adore this match. This was, by a good margin, my favorite match of the day. And it's just another one that, like, La Estrella is still only two months in. He's not even two months in as a full-time wrestler. And he's already had so many four-star matches with me. Like, I'm not going to, like, throw, like, this guy is a prodigal talent, but, I mean... We kind of were bagging on him a little bit, I think fairly so, about like what his projections going to be. But if this is what he's like two months into wrestling, I'm excited what's going to happen after he gets a sea legs under him.
1: Well, that that's that's the thing. Right now, he's a system quarterback. Okay, I don't know if he's having this these matches or showing this level of potential. If he's even teaming with the natural vibes guys, or if he's just doing some basic young boy stuff or you're teaming with Mochizuki against some other veterans. I think he's in a system right now that is specifically playing to his strengths. And I talked about this two weeks ago about how these masquerade matches have been laid out where they are designating and specifically laying out these matches to make sure all of these guys shine because Even though Skywalker is their Dreamgate champion, he was away for so long that it was really important that he hit the ground running. Minora, in particular, is a guy that I think they see a ton of potential in for a future main event level spot. So they want to make sure that he looks all right. Lee, Daya, Estrella, those are workhorse guys. They're always going to look good. And they have up to this point. So whereas SB Kento... You know, we, we look at him as a, a real blue-chip prospect and someone that could one day lead this promotion into the future. Estrella has had, you know, almost just as many great matches now in a, in a much shorter amount of time, but he's playing into the system, and that's not an insult on him. I think it's actually great booking. I think they are very much showing off his strengths and what he can do well in doing these wild dives on the large groups of people and getting thrown around by hip-hop Kakuta. Uh, that's what he does, and that's what he does, and he does it incredibly, incredibly well.
2: Right, yeah. So, just I mean, La Australia, he's, if you're not, so if you're someone who listens to the shows and you don't really f- go and watch the prop and you see gifts, La Australia is someone to keep an eye on. And it's going to be interesting to see how the next uh, 16 months or next 12 months of his career end up being. Next up, case we had a Tito. Uh, well, I actually I oh, have sorry. something
1: else to say about that match. I'm so sorry. No, normally I would normally I would love to move on, but I I also wanted to mention because we'll we'll talk about him a little bit more at the end of the show. But Kaito Ishida,
2: his, oh, right. yeah,
1: his closing stretches are just so good. He is someone that knows his character so well, and I think a lot of that comes from last year having the feud of the year with Kaisuke Kuda, where both guys were not only killing it from an in-ring perspective, but it really felt like they grew as performers and became these incredibly dynamic guys full of depth, full of character work, which, you know, just given a sheet of style, I think he's probably unfairly slanted as being this guy without a character, but you watch him work, and especially in a match like this, and he really seems to get it from all facets, and then he puts Jason Lee in this ankle lock, that, you know, with all due respect to Kurt Angle, who I love, Angle's never done an ankle lock quite like this. He about ripped Jason Lee's foot off. It was, it was vicious. It was such an awesome finish.
2: Yeah, it's great. And we had his dream challenge, so we have at least the main event for Night 2, Champion Gate. It will be Shun Skywalker making a second defense of the Open the Dream Gate Championship against Kaido Ishida. Real smart kind of piece of booking there as well. Kaido Ishida. Osaka native, won the uh, he won the Brave Gate in his hometown right before turning heel. I mean, and on shows like this, I think this, I think this is just a home run booking-wise. It makes a load of sense for me, and especially gives you— it gives me a little bit of like reinforcement that's like, maybe I am not just completely out here when I'm like, oh, no, he's a top-line guy. He's going to be a star for this company for as long as he's around. And it seems like that that's the direction that they're willing to go for, and I just feel— like a little pat a little pat on my back that's like, Mike, you're right about this. But-
1: Absolutely, man. Hey, run the tape. This is what we were saying in May and June of last year when they were doing these empty arena shows and we weren't totally sure what they were going to do for Kobe World. We weren't really sure if there was going to be a Kobe World in May and June of last year. But on those empty arena shows, the guy that continuously jumped out at us was Kaito Ishida. We were saying, you know, he's a better heel than Ata. He should be the, the the front runner in this heel unit. It's a shame that he's almost hurt by this brave gate title it seems like he's working above this title right now and instead i think he just he put that title in a position where it really hasn't been since tozawa held it. i don't think it's been important as important since then and akuta has done a good job of carrying on that lineage so far during his run but no we called this i mean this is one we can pat ourselves on the back of uh, back about and take a little bit of a victory lap because Ishida is now not only wrestling like a main event guy but he's being pushed like a main event guy
2: Absolutely, and it's going to be real exciting to see him get his first Dream Key and see how the next month build is and how things will come to a head at Champion Gate. So the match that... I, I mentioned it just because I want to get this match out of the way. This was a Boku tag. This was uh, the Double Dragon team of Ultimo and Bukodomo. Dragon versus Ryo Saito and Punch No Managa. They did the exact same thing that they did every single time that they've teamed so far. They won by the Double La Maestral Cradle. It was basically the same match that we've seen by the... Note by note, but done for the Fukuoka crowd. I mean, Masato Yoshino said he wanted this match to go on tour across the, na- the nation, and that's what we're saying.
1: Uh, Yeah, the finish, the double Lama, uh, Lamai straws, that will pop me every time they do it. But if there was one skippable match this weekend, I think this would be it.
2: Yeah, the, the only thing about this match that actually had me even go, huh. That's funny. Was them still doing twin magic with Bokuromo and Ultimo. <laughs> that still cracks me up. I I, I will not say cracks me up. Think That gives me a good. <laughs> and that's
1: it. I you think that's entirely this. fair. Yes.
2: Semi main event. Uh, Natural vibes. Uh, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, and Ginky Horiguchi versus the online team of Dragon Kid, Kagatora, Yosuke San Maria. KZ got the win with the rare CDJ pile driver on Yosuke Samaria in 14 minutes and 27 seconds. You know, I thought this was fine. I thought this was fun.
1: Yeah, I like this. It was the KZ showcase, which I kind of think he needed. He he not only sold well, I thought his offense looked good, and it felt like the the bulk of this match was kind of built around him. I will say that I was shocked that he took that top rope Hurrican Rana where he sits on the guy's shoulders and then Dragon Kid's springboards and gives him a Rana. I yeah. was shocked that he took that on this show. That seems like a move that needs to be reserved for Cork and Hall, Osaka number two, and the big shows. I, I Taking this in a half capacity, Fukuoka, <laughs> was a bold move by KZ, but I respect him for working so hard.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- this was a KZ match. They really kind of focus on it. And it's just like a fun low stakes in my main event. Like, I still went three and a half stars on it. Like, it was a good match. And there was like a little things that in the match that was for someone who watches everything, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fun. Like, busting out that Ultra Hurricane Rana on a Fukuoka show. That raised my eyebrow, and then there was a moment that there was a baby that was cooing, that both KZ and Maria stopped dead and, and tried not to laugh during that. I was like, all right, this is a good time match.
1: It, it was a weirdly unremarkable three-and-a-half-star match, and I won't make the point that I've made a million times where if this match happens in any other promotion, especially one in North America, it becomes you know headline news for how good it was it's just kind of a nice unassuming match but but not bad by any means and and something that gave casey not any direction but definitely some momentum which is always nice
2: right and then we got into the main event of the night show this was the finals of the open the twin gate number one contendership tournament as we've alluded to it was mochizuki yoshida winning this and winning the tournament they will be facing kai and bb hulk at champion gate and they defeated Shuji Kondo and Benkei. Yoshida over Benkei with a pineapple bomber in 16 minutes and 26 seconds.
1: I gotta say the most impressive part of this match and there's a lot that we can dissect here with Benkei but injury or not the fact that he put Takashi Yoshida up in the torture rack Mm -hmm. that is a spot that will blow me away every single time he does it that that is Legitimately impressive. I don't care what kind of cooperation it takes to do that move. When you put Yoshida in a torture rack, my jaw is on the floor. Yeah, because, like, even
2: with the strength, that requires so much balance to do a torture rack, especially if someone with someone the size of Takashi Yoshida on your shoulders. So it was very impressive. It's been doing Ben things, just so that people are aware in advance. Ben does do his uh, spear counter where he gets knee in the head, just like what happened at Final Gate. It's Benke we said this right after final gate, they are going to do the spot. If it's something that they feel comfortable with, they know it's going to res- get a response. They're going to go back to it. And it took three matches for Ben K to, you know, do the fake knee to the head. So,
1: well, look, he wrestled three matches in a day. They would not put him in that position if he wasn't one hundred percent so I hope they continue to lean into that spot. I hope they continue to do it more because he could uh, that what happened to him at Final gate will never happen to him again in his career. That was a freak accident where a Skywalker hit him just right in the wrong spot i I look, I love that they're doing this. I'm glad they ran the spot in this match oh absolutely, and this
2: match in general. If this is what the Mochi-Yoshida tag team is going to be in a high-level situation, that's fine. They found a way to make to plug him into Mochi's matches, and then you had, you had Benkei and Shuichi Kondo. I mean, this was a big meat boy match.
1: Yeah, it was a nice way to close things out. This was certainly the best match that Mochizuki and Yoshida were involved with over the weekend, and I think that was largely... Ben Kaye just kind of throwing his body around again. It was nice to see because I, I don't remember Kondo doing anything of substance in this match. I know he was in there, but no. this this was really the Ben Kay show. And he and Mochizuki have had two match-of-the-year contenders against one another. They obviously have excellent chemistry. And he played to Yoshida's strengths. I I, I like this. I was still at three and a half on it as, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of same deal as the prior match where it was perhaps an unspectacular three and a half stars, but still a good enough match to to sit down and watch if you get the chance.
2: Yeah, I mean, this. both these shows, I mean, really you could start the afternoon show with the trios match and then watch the tournament stuff. You know, easy stuff to watch in, nothing bad. I mean, it matters what your mileage is on the Double Dragon gimmick. So, good time. Uh, after the match, we had them officially do the challenge for Twin Gate. Takashi Yoshida they love him as a face kind of goober. Like, it kind of works. And it was kind of charming in a way. Like, if Takashi Yoshida's just kind of this I, bumbling buddy cop for Misaki Mochizuki's veteran, that's something I can get behind.
1: Oh, yeah. No, this is this is working for now. With anything Yoshida-related, I have to ask myself, what are the legs this has? Because I don't really know if this works as a long-term buddy cop pairing i don't know if eight months down the line if they're still doing something like this if it still is entertaining i think with most other workers you could say like well they're really going to turn it around and they're going to become a nice little wrestler i don't really know if that's an option for takashi yoshida so no i do kind of fear that mad blanky situation all over again where he does this brief baby face run only to turn back heel, and he says it's a part of his larger plan or whatever. I kind of I kind of think that's where things are going. I, I don't know, because SBK specifically was the one that booted him out of the unit, I think it's going to be a little bit harder to get that done, but, you know, BB Hulk's teaming with Kai, so the heel unit isn't exactly as strong as it could be from a storytelling perspective.
2: Yeah, and you always had the fact that probably he's going to end up with Ada one way or another. Like it just makes sense of those two guys kind of are attached that way. But before we get into Cork in case it's time for us to choose our wrestler of the week. So that's something that we've been starting to do this year, talking about who we think is had the best performance of the week, our, our MVP. We, the last time we did a show that had this, it was UT because all we had is the Kobe Sambo hall show. Now we have two shows back to back. So case, who is your MVP for week four of Dragon Gate's year?
1: I, got, I f- completely forgot that Kobe Sambo Hall show happened. I was trying to <laughs> recount my MVPs so far through this year and just completely forgot that that show existed. That is so wild. Well, this week, I think I could have gone with Ben K., for having a successful return for wrestling three matches after injury. I thought he was impressive in all three matches. I could have gone with La Astrea, who continues to produce great, and I mean great matches almost every time he's in the ring. But I'm going to go with Kaito Ishida. I think this was a big week for him. I think he helped cement his future legacy on this week, and I think we saw the groundwork of a future main event run and a possible Open the Dream Gate champion come the first week of March which I think really matters and I think if they decide to put the title on him he will be ready and he will be a fitting champion he submitted both Kota Minora and Jason Lee with the ankle lock this weekend and looked very impressive in doing so Kaito Ishida is my MVP for these two shows
2: for those reasons Kaito Ishida is mine we don't we don't talk about this in advance we like we specifically do not talk about this one thing And for the last two weeks that we've done this, we've had the exact same MVP. Kaido Ishida, unanimous winner of the week.
1: Yeah, it was his week. This was a really big week in his career, and I think we're going to see at Cork and Hall a real chance for him to step up to the plate, and we can kind of transition into that Cork and preview to round things out here. He is in a position where he's going to be uh, not only given the opportunity to have a great match, but I think just i i i just i'm excited i am really excited that we have a whole month of skywalker versus ashita stuff i think it's going to get continuously better up through that dreamgate match
2: yeah i'm totally with you so uh, i'll i'll read the um, matches before we give our thoughts uh opener six man tag ultimo uh don fuji and gamma versus boku dojo or boku team boku well, it called boku dojo it has nice to that. <laughs> but. Ryo Saito, Kudamo Dragon, and Punch No Monaga. Then we have a tag team match. Ginki Horiguchi and Kenichiro Rai versus Keisuke Akuda and Yosuke San Maria. Eight man tag, as case was alluded to. All of Masquerade, who are around right now, Shun Skywalker, Koda or Jason Lee, Lostrea versus R.E.D., Kaido Ishida, Kazuma Sakamoto, Hip Hop Kakuda, and Diamante. Match four is a tag team match. Masaki Mochizuki and Takashi Yoshida versus Ada and BB Hulk. Semi-main event, KZ, Susumu, Yokosuka, UT. That was, this will be the official Natural Vibes reunion launch versus Shuji Kondo, Benkei, and Kakotora. The main event as put on and scheduled last month, Yamato and Dragon Kid versus Kai and SP Kento. So, a lot of stuff going on. Pretty much everything really after match two. Plays into what's going on for the rest of the month and into March, I think.
1: Yeah, because even the Mochizuki and Yoshida versus H and Hulk match, which sounds a little dangerous on paper, that is a low floor match, certainly, and I don't, I don't really think the ceiling is all that high on that one. But the crowd is going to be into that, and there's a story there that I'm invested in. So on paper, I'm okay with it. What I don't like on this show, we'll start there. I am annoyed that the Masquerade tag is positioned at three, and I was critical of this when Eito was champion, and he was consistently not getting booked in the main events, and I'm going to be critical of it when Skywalker's the champion, and, you know, if you want to give Yamato and Dragon Kid versus Kai and SB Kento top billing, I understand it, because I think there's going to be a big angle on the show, even if I don't entirely know what it is, but... Can you not put that match on fifth? Can that not go where the Natural Vibes match is? I just I I want the champion higher up on the card, and I don't I don't really get why they're doing it. So I'm a, I'm a little frustrated there. So I want your thoughts there, but I also want a prediction from you on that eight man tag. What you think the finish is going to be? Because Ashita has tapped out both Menorah and Lee. Do you think he? Taps out estrella Do you think he taps out Skywalker? Or do you think Skywalker gets a win over what will likely be Hip Hop Kakuta if he does get the win?
2: Well, I mean, they have pinned Diamante. They pinned him in Fukuoka. So so he's he's ripe for taking a fall. Look like they're not protecting him as much. Uh match placement wise, I mean look, the first two matches, that's everyone else that gets booked here. Other than Yuzushi Kanda. Yuzushi Kanda has not wrestled since uh, the first quarter of the year which is kind of interesting. Uh, but you like look at the rest of this card. Whatever is going to come out of that main event tag team match that's an angle of some fashion I'm willing to imagine, you get the natural vibes relaunch. I mean, clearly, they cemented Masquerade. Masquerade has their place. Now they have to do the cementing there. It kind of had to go here. I, I, I'm with you. It's something that I want to see shooting Skywalker. I want to see these Masquerade tags be like, if not the semi-main event, this should be the go-to-intermission match, the hot match, that then everyone's like, all right, and you go get a cigarette in the cigarette room. You know there's a cigarette room in Corkin, by the way, right? No, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go to that room. I wonder how the cigarette room is doing in the age of COVID. But, yeah, it stinks. I understand why on this show, given that the three matches ahead of it all have storyline implications to some level, and they're going to treat uh, natural vibes as a thing now. So I think that that's why the booking is. The fall... I think Ishida taps out Jason Lee again. I think that they're protecting Shun until he drops the title. Uh, Estrella has not dropped a fall, and I feel like they're making that into a focus point here. So I think it has to be Jason Lee.
1: Yeah, if he taps out Estrella, I think we are leading off the show talking about that next week. That's going to be a big deal if that happens because Estrella has remained, uh, I guess, undefeated in the Samoa Joe and TNA way where he hasn't been beaten but he still he still lost the matches but hasn't taken the fall. So, yeah, I, you know, I would be shocked if the Masquerade match isn't the match of the night. I don't think match placement will affect it too much there. But, you know, I would like to see the champion a little bit higher up on the card. The other thing that I will throw your way, you look at match five and you look at match six, ignore natural vibes, ignore R.E.D. Let's look at the unaffiliated guys there. You've got Shuji Kondo, Benkei, Kagatora, Yamato, and Dragon Kid. We've seen Benkei and Kondo be friendly. We've seen Yamato and Dragon Kid be friendly. Kagator is a guy that can slip and slide anywhere on the roster. Is that the unit? Are we seeing the formation of something there? I, I, I don't know what threads they have that bring them all together, but I, seeing all of their names listed side by side, I feel like I, le- I, I at least need to throw out the question.
2: If that's the unit, then you have some real spare parts left that don't really fit in unless... There's a huge heel shift, yeah. you know. Yeah, like because you like you look at that, you have Yamato and DK as your mic workers, and then the, Kondo can cut a promo. He's not necessarily the most loquacious type, but he works there. Kaikatora is your fall post; that makes sense there. And then Binke is kind of adrift. Like that's the thing about that unit is Binke and Kondo would be functionally the threes and fours, and it does not seem like the best use of them and their skill level. But I can't dismiss it out of hand. I do think that whatever comes out of that, unless we get a surprising Yamato heel turn on Dragon Kid and he's now the new heel unit leader and they eject Ada afterwards, unless that's the big plan, which I hope I didn't speak that to existence.
1: I, I, I That was my initial thought, but I, I think they still want more out of this Yamato Kai feud. And I think that is preventing that from going on. But but that was my first thought when I saw this match on paper. Was I, I wonder if... uh. Full dragon kid loses the mask again, this time by the hands of Yamato.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because uh, R.E.D. is too big. It's going to shit some members. Probably only pick up one out of this. Oh, uh, We originally thought that would be KZ as the new heel leader. Looks like they might just go Fushida as the leader there, but, you know, there's going to be shakeups there. Then you look at the unaffiliated, it's like, Naruki Doi is still a question mark. I mean, he's someone that uh, they already have put shows in April and later on in the year on the schedule so I mean he's coming back and then the rest is kind of a real assortment there you know
1: the real thread that we have between two guys that could form a unit together are Ben K and Akuda, and they are Mm -hmm. separate right now so I really I think more so than any other time I can remember since God, I don't even know. And I have no feel for the direction these units are heading, and I don't think Kondo, Benkei, Kagetori, Yamato, Dragon Kid is going to be the new unit. I would be surprised if that happens. I can't rule it out, but I would be surprised. But I I, I got nothing. I, I really am struggling to <laughs> kind of fit these parts together. I don't know who goes where. It's very, very strange to me to be this cold, not in terms of whether or not i'm enjoying it because i like everything that they're doing right now but i just can't even begin to guess how these units fall into place and i'm excited about that i i like that there's some real intrigue here
2: no i'm totally with you i, I well there are certain things that like we can pick up as long-term fans I understand the beats and that's why we're like oh yeah takashi yoshida don't trust this thing he's gonna have something else coming on here but the rest of it is all, I think, genuinely pretty interesting. I like sometimes when they pull a trick on me. So I'm totally down with that. And this show will be on the network. It will be live with English commentary. Jay will be there calling the matches live. It is a 6 p.m. Uh, Japanese Standard Time start. That's 4 a.m. on the East Coast. Y'all could probably figure that out. You know your time zone's better than I do. Uh but Case, anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here? Let's plug our stuff, Mike. Yeah, we actually have a good thing to plug, Case, so I give the floor to you. I know that we had a really fun show that I know you are keen to talk about.
1: Yeah, so over the weekend, we recorded a podcast with the great Alan Forel, friend of the show. He's been a former guest of the show. I would argue this show exists in part due to him because Alan... Has been, if there is, if you can say an influence on the way I cover wrestling, Allen has been that influence on me. We did a show over on his pro wrestling paradise uh, show on the pro wrestling torch. It is a two part show in which Mike Allen and I talk about 20 different wrestlers from the dragon system that we are at least considering for our greatest wrestler ever ballots this show the two parts combine go four hours it is an in-depth look on shima masaki mochizuki milano collection at shingo takagi akira tozawa ricochet pak matt Sydal, ultimo dragon Anyone that you want to talk about at length in the Dragon System, we talked about them on that show. As Alan said when we finished recording, that show was literally years in the making, and we are, you know, I, I can speak for Mike here, at least I think, we're very proud of the way this show came across. We kind of think it's the definitive Dragon Gate audio that's out there right now, so if you're not a Torch subscriber, look, I don't take a paycheck from them, but I would recommend it because I think there's a lot of tremendous content On that website, not only do you get that show, Alan and I have done, I think at this point, three other Greatest Wrestler Ever shows where we go in-depth on guys like Eddie Guerrero, the 90s Joshi scene. We talked some World of Sport at one point. We had a really interesting Bret Hart and Roderick Strong discussion on one of the last shows we did. The people that have listened to Alan and I craft our greatest wrestler ever ballots have been really enjoying them. We've gotten some really nice feedback on them. And this Dragon System show that Mike, Alan, and I did uh, was praised by Rob Naylor as being one of the best podcasts that he's ever heard. And if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what to tell you.
2: Yeah, this was a show that I think it's closer to four and a half hours, to be fair. And we take it every route possible. Like, this is if you're someone who has enjoyed the way that Case and I go deep on some stuff that's happening in the wrestling business around Dragon Gate USA and talk about this. If you follow the stuff I do on Everything Elite, the This Is series where Aaron Bentley and I have gone deep into wrestlers' career through their matches, this was basically four hours of that about the wrestlers that I can at least speak for myself, the wrestlers I'm most passionate about in the entire business. Like talking about 1995 W.A.R. Talking about my, I thought it was a very controversial statement I made about PAC during that case, but it was just an absolute blast. Alan is the best. And yeah, it's, I, I would say that it would be worth your subscription to the torch just for those two shows alone. If you're, this keen on that and then alan has the ProS palette paradise we've both done several episodes with alan alan is the best so highest recommendation go check those out i know that we certainly have tweeted a lot about it and thanks to everyone who enjoyed it like kind of ticked me aback because sometimes sometimes we do audio case i this is a thing for me where i feel like it's good audio but i can't tell if other people are or or stuff that i'm like oh I really went through the ringer there. I don't know if that's such a great show. I feel like it was kind of a mess, but then everyone tells me, oh, I actually thought it was one of the better shows. It kind of takes me back, but like, thanks to everyone for the nice thoughts and the praise that they've given for this four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour odyssey of the Dragon System.
1: And we heard a lot of nice things last week after we recorded kind of that very random a sporadic thought filled open the voice (laughs) kit as well. People seem to be really into that. So good news for you guys. We got more of that coming up because they're not running a ton of shows in February. But if you liked the tone of that show, I think you will really like these shows that we did with Alan. So again, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Not only because we're on it. I just, I, you know, hopefully at this point people realize Mike and I are really passionate about some sort of archival process for the Dragon System, and we feel like these shows are kind of a sticking point of like, hey, if you want you know varying opinions on some guys that have really mattered to this promotion this is kind of the show to go check out so again it's on the pro wrestling torch website uh it is behind a paywall but i would highly highly recommend subscribing to hear that and to hear all the other great stuff that alan has done on the pro res paradise
2: i'm not getting paid for saying this but for right now, they have a $0.99 cent offer.
1: Well, there you go. Now, now, I mean, come on, skip the Red Circle donation this month and go, go to the Torch and check out Mike and I over there.
2: Yeah, yeah, go check that out there. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on what we got out of here. As, I, as we mentioned earlier, some schedules are out. We do have a really kind of interesting showcase that they announced for the middle of April. Did you notice this when it came up? Because I sure did.
1: I don't, I don't remember it if I saw it.
2: Well, on April 24th in Higashi Osaka, we will have the Speed Star Final Countdown in Higashi Osaka. They're doing another homecoming show for Masato Yoshino before he retires. So I know he's been off for the last month and he's not on the Corkin shows. He apparently was like looking into something to help alleviate pain. I, I didn't get the specifics on that, but they're at least hoping that by the end of April that Masato Yoshino will at least start his retirement road. I welcome him back whenever he's ready absolutely and i think that's going to do it case uh you could follow us at open the voice gate you can follow Case at underscore underscoring your case and i'm at fuji we'll catch you next time talking about corkin and what's shaking up to be probably one of the most momentous corkins in a long time but but that'll do it for us here at open the voice gate we'll catch you next <laughs> i love i'm like i i'm so sorry <laughs> No, 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 no. That's on me. I didn't know if you had like a last, a last little thing you wanted to say about Corkin on Friday. That's fine.
1: I thought you capped it off so well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to add anything else.
2: So, so now we have the, the 15 seconds of me meandering before saying, uh, for case on Mike, thank you for listening to VoiceGate. We'll catch you next time. Take care.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems.